Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's move on, shall we, uh, and talk to uh, Rewa Harriman about the women's singles and doubles. Uh, hey, girl, how are you? Hey, Shelda Stephen, really good. I'm excited. No, well, it's Watch good. Dream, with dream tennis coming up today. Well, be honest, you're excited because we're actually being able to call the singles as well. <laughs> and that, and that. Yeah, okay, let's let's look at these two combatants first of all because both matches have got the one and two seeds. So the the draw seems, in my living memory, worked out perfectly for Nico Lamperin, the tournament director. Let's look at Coco Golf. Right, hasn't dropped a set all through the tournament and just looks almost a class above everybody else. She really does. She she hasn't had to um, overplay or spend too much time on court this week. And what that what that does when you get to this end of the tournament is you you're just bouncing got heaps of energy and you're not gonna fatigue like potentially um, her opposition will today. We saw that yesterday when Fidelina came in with a bit of an injury to her lower back, and that after being on court for a long, long time this week and having some tough matches, as opposed to Coco, who's in there, goes about her business um, really quickly, and then off court again. It's noticeable that Coco has said in one of her post-match interviews that she wants to be more aggressive uh, this season, but has also worked on a service game where she's pounding down some major first serves. Well, looks like it's working. Like that's one of her strengths, to be honest, is her her serve. Her first serve is unbelievable, and if she wants to improve on that, I mean, I guess you get more cheap points hmm. if she gets even better at that. But I'm sure she gets enough as it is. Um, and her footwork and that cracking backhand she does, which she can either go cross court with the angle or just pummel it down the line. She she really has very few weaknesses on court, and um, we've seen that this week too. No one can get through. No one breaks through. Yeah, well, that, that's the interesting part that I, I continue to watch her. That even when she drops a point and and even even drops a game, just not flustered and very composed for someone of her age. She's been like that um, for a long time. And I remember when she first came in 2020, and she was only 15 at the time, her dad brought her out as per usual. But she was so impressive then, like the same temperament, the same composure on court as a 15-year-old. It's pretty incredible. And the potential obviously was there for everyone to see. And she's just gone strength from strength to strength over the last few years. And I've got no doubt that she'll reach the, the, the top of the rankings, not this year, um, you know, in, in a couple of years. But I, I feel like she's number three. She's just about there. 
Yeah, well, her opponent was the world number three at one stage a couple of years ago, and Elena Svitolina, who happens to be the wife of Gail Monfi, who is in the first round of the men's draw, which starts tomorrow. Her highest ranking, yeah, as was, has been at number three. But let's just look at her run to the final, and let's break it down a little bit. A little bit disappointed in Wozniacki coming back, but she beat Wozniacki 6-4-6-3. And I wonder whether this we could take it right back to the epic against uh, uh, Emma Raducanu, 6 7 7 6 Six one, then she goes Buzkova six love six three. And we're going oh hang on here we go, and then yesterday against uh, Wang Xiyu two six six four six three and had two medical timeouts. Now you know what it's like as a player when you got a medical timeout, everything starts to whirl around in your head. Will twenty four hours be enough for her to get over this and not let it become a mental impediment? Uh, yeah, good good question. It's hard to say. It really depends on how um, kind of severe the um, injury is or the, the strain or what's happening with her lower back. She is a fighter, though, and we saw that yesterday. I was unsure if she was going to continue, to be honest, especially with the Australian Open just around the corner. And that would be, you know, that's your priority. That's your target. And depending on how your body is, you'd actually want to use the next week to get it right if it is, you know, if there is an injury there. But she, like you said, she had her two uh, medical timeouts. She just actually um, restrained herself on court because she was a little bit restricted. She wasn't as um, agile or moved Mm. as quickly, but she stayed in the hunt and she stayed in the game. And then when she managed to get that second set, it gave her the lift. I guess to okay, well maybe I can do this, even though I'm not a hundred percent. And she I don't think she'll get away with it today. She's she actually needs to be at a hundred percent to um, you know, to try and penetrate um Coco's wall. But um she's a fighter and so she's gonna give it a good crack. What does she have in her arsenal that might pressure Coco Goff? So um, I read something about her the other day. And so originally she was more of a defensive player and very, very consistent and should should just be on the court for days and wait for the opposition to make the mistake. What she did in her time off when she had her baby, she actually worked on her game and to become more aggressive. She knew that's where, not a weakness, but she wanted to improve in that area as well as her serve. So... Those, she's got a cracking back in as well. She does have really nice feel and touch. She can change it up, um, the pace up too, which I think is important against Coco because Coco can get into amazing rhythm and you just want to change it up slightly just to see if that's going to make any difference. So normally, so I would say her movement and consistency is, is her strengths, are her strengths, sorry, but if she is slightly impeded with this lower back strain, mm. that will impact her movement, which is normally a strength. And, and Rewa, the other big thing too is if she's going to put pressure on, she has she has to be aggressive against Coco. A- absolutely. Um, and like I said, she took three months after she had her baby. She, um, she took three months before um, getting back on court and improving her her game before she came back on tour. And so we're like in those important moments or those moments where you're getting slightly nervous on court, traditionally she would have maybe gone a little bit in defensive mode. 
now she's switched that up and she's hitting through those moments. And and we did see that. Like that incredible game against um, Bradikanu the, the for the second round, they were smacking the ball. Yeah. It was an unbelievable. That could have been a final. That was uh, you know that nearly was, three hours that game. It was a good bashathon. Something to look forward to. A uh, fun fact for you, Rewa. This will be the second time they meet. The last time was back in 2021 in the second round of the Australian Open. Svitolina won that 6-4-6-3, but one would suggest that Coco Goff is a completely different player uh, three years down the track. Oh, absolutely. I think um, Coco would have just about only just started, you know, on the WTA back in those days a, a few a few years back. And whereas Svitolina back in those days too, she would have been right at her um, prime. Um, so, yeah, I think um, the, the money's on Coco for sure. Okay, and I think, I think on the TAB the money's on Coco as well. I know my, <laughs> my producer Robbie is actually putting some money on her. I think she's paying about five fifty to do it in like 6262 uh, uh, straight sets. Let's look at the women's doubles final because we actually haven't had a good look at the number two seeds in Anna Danelina and uh, her partner Victoria Runsakova. Now... Danielina is the current US Open mixed doubles champion. We know Runsukova, formerly Victoria Kuzmova, has been here before. And I'm just wondering, because we haven't seen them, but they have a pretty good doubles pedigree, whether they can push the top seeds in Bethany Maddox-Sands and Marie Buzkova. Well, well, I hope so. I feel like they'd be, they'll be more comfortable than the pair last night in the semi-final. And they, again... Push the uh, push the top seeds a little bit more than that first round against the Kiwis that we we saw, we saw earlier in the week. But I'd say that these two are um, comfortable. Um, like mm-hmm. you said, they've got a pedigree in doubles. They're pretty handy. It's just whether or not um, you know getting into the final and, and the occasion um, might be the challenge. But in saying that. They're both pretty um, experienced now, and I, I wouldn't say the occasion would overcome. It would be more like fire them up, and, and they would give themselves a chance, for sure. If you're a fan of doubles tennis, then the story of Bethany Maddox-Sands at 38 years of age and still 55 in doubles is, is one to look forward to. She was beaten in the final last year. Her partner was Leila Fernandez. She's uh, teamed up with Marie Buzkova, who you and I have seen them play twice now and it's fair to say that Marie Buzkova is the anchor of this team and Maddox Sands is almost given a, a roaming role and it's a dangerous roaming role for the opposition. That's exactly what it is and she described herself as Spider-Man up at net after that's the, right. the match <laughs> um, last night and she, that's exactly what it is. Buzkova holds the back really strong and, and she's the setter. She sets up the point for um, Maddox fans to just pop off the volleys up at net and finish them. Or if she's not finishing off the point, she, she's also setting it up and placing the ball in a certain place ready to pounce, um, pounce the next shot. That's where her doubles expertise comes in. So she doesn't, she doesn't have the same kind of speed in terms of her racket speed or the power, um, what she gets. Um, with her ground strokes or her volley, but she knows where to place the ball, and that's enough. If you were Donalina and Urunsukova, how wary would you be of the top seeds, considering yesterday in the second set uh, against Kessler and Lamans, they were 2-5 down and won the match, didn't need to go to a super tie break? 
Hey, that that just shows a bit of experience, but also it also shows you how games can switch up, particularly in doubles. And because it's um, a super tiebreaker for the third set in doubles, even though you lose the first set, you're not out because you're only one set away from setting up a super tiebreaker and, you know, you could take out the title, which is what they'll be both thinking. They'll all be thinking that. So you're never down necessarily in doubles. You've always got a chance. So who wins Who wins the women's doubles right now? <laughs> well, only because I haven't seen our second seed play. I'm just going to um, call it, be safe and call our top seed. But I do want to see a really cracking match. And I hope, uh, I hope they... You know, they're able to do an upset today. And I'd, I'd like to see Svitolina push Coco Goff too, because Coco Goff's semi final only took 62 minutes and she wasn't really pushed. Everybody expected Emma Navarro to uh, really force her, but she didn't. So that's the scary part about starting a season like she's starting, that uh, she's putting everybody on notice. Oh, absolutely. This is the best start you want from both of those players. Svitolina was named the player, um, the comeback player of the year last year. When she came back after having her baby, she she was ranked outside the top 200, and she's managed to get right back up there and like number 25 in the world. And she's just going to um, keep going and and advance this this season. I, th- I thought the really encouraging sign was reading uh, what Coco Goff said about wanting to come back here to prove to herself, to put herself under pressure that she could defend a title. Yeah, that's awesome, isn't it? Like still having challenges. You're number three in the world. You've won the US Open, but yet there's still more challenges to, to come. And she loves New Zealand too. We've looked after her really well. She came here as a 15-year-old, and I think we've got a, a great relationship. So... Hopefully, she keeps coming back. Yeah, well, if the WTA rules come into place, she might never come back. And we've talked about this before, but I just can't understand why they would start denying top-tier players the opportunity to play where they want to play. Yeah, it, it seems ridiculous to me too, um, just taking that choice out of their hands. Um, but like you said, each player should should get to choose which tournament they want to play from week to week. All right, Rewa, you can uh, settle down now and I'll see you in about 60 minutes as we start preparing for the singles and doubles final, which is live on Sky from 5. Awesome. Thanks, Steve. Hey, Kona. Yeah, there's uh, Rewa Harriman, uh, my co-commentator for the women's singles and doubles.